from Diversion Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. I'm Gary Myers, and this is the GOAT, Tom Brady. Episode 8, Porterhouse or New York Strip. Okay, you must be wondering, what's up with the title? I'm not going to keep you waiting very long to find out. This is one of the funniest stories I've heard in my 42 years covering the NFL. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning are team guys. I'm not suggesting otherwise. But individual records are important to them, especially when one of them is about to break the record of the other. It was the final game of the regular season in the 2007 season. Patriots at the Giants. The Patriots were 15-0 and Brady had 48 touchdown passes, one behind the NFL record set by Peyton Manning in 2004. Even though the Giants already were locked into the number five playoff seed, New York coach Tom Coughlin decided to play all out to win and not rest any of his players for the wild card game in Tampa the next weekend. Coughlin felt he owed it to the integrity of the NFL for the Giants to play hard and to play all out and play their best players with the Patriots on the verge of becoming the first team to go through a 16-game regular season undefeated. The 1972 Dolphins were 14-0, and the NFL expanded to 16 games in 1978. A few teams were 15-1. No team was 16-0. The game was scheduled for a Saturday night, and the NFL made sure it was shown nationally. Coffin also was trying to create momentum for his up-and-down 10-5 team going into the playoffs. At the time, I thought Coughlin was making a big mistake by risking injury when the Giants' more important game was coming up in Tampa. The secondary issue was Peyton Manning's touchdown record. Brady needed one to tie and two to pass him. Peyton cherished that record. So Peyton called his little brother Eli, the quarterback of the Giants, in the days before the game and asked for a favor. Eli worshipped Peyton even though he tortured him as a kid. Peyton would sit on Eli and bang him on the chest until he could name all the teams in the SEC. Peyton probably could do that when he was just two years old. Eli didn't care that much. When Eli finally mastered the SEC, Peyton forced him to name all the NFL teams. Too bad for Eli this was not an open book test. Even so, if Peyton needed a favor, well, just name it. Peyton asked Eli to relay a message to the Giants' defense. If the Patriots were going to score any touchdowns in that game, could they limit them to rushing touchdowns? Please? Eli did as Peyton requested. He went to middle linebacker Antonio Pierce, the Giants' defensive leader, with Big Brother's request. The Giants' defense went out to dinner together every Monday and Friday night. Pierce told Eli to relay to Peyton that they would do their best And if they stop Brady from breaking the record, then dinner at Del Frisco Steakhouse in Manhattan was on him. Here's Pierce. I remember just uh, the only time that anything ever got mentioned between Eli Payton, myself, our team, and and Tom Brady was when he was going after that record for touchdowns. That, you know, there might have been a little bit of incentive for us to try to stop him, Tom Brady, from getting that record that year. Did Eli say something during the week? He mentioned something to me that uh, Peyton told 
throughout the week. You know, it'd be nice if uh, the defense would go out there and you know not give up no pass touchdowns, maybe a little run the ball in. Uh, there might have been an incentive with that, but uh, <laughs> it didn't quite work out that way, though. Yeah, we, I, but you know what? We tried, and we didn't just try for him. Obviously, we tried for ourselves. But yeah. um, that, that that just tells you how competitive those two guys are. At first, Pierce thought Eli was kidding. Eli had a reputation for being a practical joker. So did Peyton. But Pierce soon realized this was no joke. He spread the word among his defensive teammates. Dinner on Peyton. Let's stop Brady and run up the bill. Eli also thought Peyton was joking at first, but then... You know, Peyton, I think they were, they'd already clinched the playoff right. spot. We'd already clinched the playoff spot, so I think we caught that week, and, and he said it jokingly, and I thought I would... Uh, you know, kind of pass it on to, to Antonio Pierce. Well, it's, it's, it's jokingly, but also maybe a little serious yeah, sure. kind of in the mix. But, uh, but yeah, obviously he went on, and uh, that game was an important game. He, he went on, you know, uh, for us, you know, offensively we played, we played well and kind of got things got going and gave us a little confidence going into the, into the playoffs. And Brady set a record, and New England went undefeated for the regular season. So a lot of, a lot of good things happened in that game. The Giants went into that game extremely motivated. They wanted to prevent New England from being 16-0, and the defense wanted to stop Brady from setting the record on them. After one quarter, no touchdown passes for Brady. The defense was thinking about the seafood tower appetizer, mashed potatoes, lobster mac and cheese, the 45-day-aged prime strip, multiple bottles of liquid refreshments, and maybe some bread pudding for dessert. Well, truth be told, they probably were not thinking about that at that time. But I'm going to take some literary license. These are football players who like to eat. On the first play of the second quarter, Brady threw a four-yard touchdown pass to Randy Moss. Okay, no problem. That only tied the record. Peyton was talking about not letting Brady break the record. Brady went into the half stuck at 49. He finished the third quarter stuck at 49. Now stay with me here. The Giants were now 15 minutes away from a great steak dinner. They were 15 minutes away from stopping the Patriots' undefeated season. They went into the fourth quarter with a 28-23 lead. And you can't tell me at this point the defensive players were not thinking about Del Frisco's. But with just over 11 minutes left, Brady had Moss wide open down the right sideline for what would have been a 65-yard score and the record-setting touchdown. But Moss couldn't hold on. On the very next play, New England came back with exactly the same play. This time, Brady and Moss connected. Brady had the record. Moss had 23 touchdown catches, which broke Jerry Rice's single-season record. The Patriots had the lead, and they went on to win 38-35. Brady laughed when I told him this story. <laughs> that was a funny story. And they, we worked for him that night. That wasn't easy. Peyton regained the coveted record in 2013 when he threw 55 touchdowns, obliterating Brady's record and pushing it so far out there that it's going to be nearly impossible to break. But Manning predicted Brady would one day break it. When I passed that along to Brady, he said, I have zero chance of probably breaking that, but no, it's a very nice thing for him to say. So far, Brady is right. The most he's thrown since then is when he led the league with 36 in 2015. Anyway, Brady, in my mind, is the unquestioned number one quarterback 
in NFL history, and everybody else is fighting for second place. So let the arguments start. On my list, Joe Montana, Joe Cool, is second, just a couple of Super Bowls behind Brady. They are virtually the same player, same playing style, same demeanor, same winning attitude. Brady's shelf life in New England was quite a bit longer than Montana's in San Francisco, enabling him to be around to win more championships. And Brady never had Steve Young breathing down his neck, and he was able to stay healthier. Jimmy Garoppolo is not Steve Young. The most amazing Montana statistic. He was 4-0 in the Super Bowl, threw 11 touchdowns, and did not throw even one interception. Brady is 6-3 in the Super Bowl with 18 touchdowns and six interceptions. After Brady and Montana, it's just a matter of how you compare eras. I would put Manning third and Johnny Unitas fourth. If you ever saw Unitas play and his number changed from 19 to 18 on his Colts uniform, you would think you were watching Manning. If Manning wore number 19 on his Colts uniform, you'd think you were watching Johnny Unitas. They were so similar, right down to the choppy footwork dropping back in the pocket. Brady, Montana, Manning, and Unitas. That's a pretty good top four. That's my top four. Brady and Manning were fortunate they played in the same era. Why? They brought out the best in each other. They pushed each other. Just about every year they were in each other's way trying to get to the Super Bowl. That's what made Brady versus Manning so special and so much fun and will be so hard for any other quarterbacks to develop this kind of rivalry. I asked Brady if he ever teased Manning about having a big edge in Super Bowl trophies. The count right now is six to two. I could never do that. I mean, I, <laughs> he's had as great a career as anyone that's ever played the position. And I mean, I feel like I've had as great a career as I could have ever imagined or dreamed of. Uh -huh. So. I would never do that. I mean, I've, I've been lucky to be on some great teams. I mean, I think that's what I think about. And I want to be part of the reason why we continue to do well. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if I'm not doing well, then, you know, there's someone else has to has to do it. That's the way the NFL works. It's it's a performance-based league, and it's a what have you done for me lately right. type. And I learned that pretty early when Lawyer Malloy got released from our team in 2003. Right. You know, it was like, wait a minute, but all these things that he's done, like, you don't care about any of those things? And, you know, they don't. Because yeah. you want to win, and you have a fan base that wants you to win. And that's, that's what sports are about. There's not, you know, you don't build up this, okay, well, we can be crappy this year. No, you have to be good every year, and you have to do what it takes to win every year. Even if Brady never teased with Manning about the rivalry, he knows that when he was with the Patriots, who had the edge? Our team has a pretty good record against anybody if you're right. going to go. You know, and you know, we've had some really great games against them. He's had some pretty critical ones against us. I think, you know, we've had more wins against them. We'll be right back with more of the GOAT, Tom Brady, in just a moment. In the 13 years they started against each other, not counting Brady's injury season in 2008 and Manning's in 2011, Brady's Patriots and Manning's Colts or Broncos made the playoffs in the same season 11 times. They faced each other in the postseason 
five times. Brady won the first two, including the 2003 AFC Championship game, and Manning won the last three, the 2006 AFC title game when he played for the Colts, and the 2013 and 2015 AFC title games when he was in Denver. All the games were won by the home team. Listen, Brady's a really bad loser. He's tough to be around when he has a bad practice. He says he puts him, as he calls it, a crappy mood. He drives home from games with his wife, who peppers him with questions when he's trying to decompress. Each time he lost to Manning in the AFC Championship game, Brady came back the next season with a vengeance. Consider this. After losing to Manning in 06, in 2007, the Patriots were undefeated in the regular season, and it took a miracle catch by the Giants' David Tyree to beat them in the Super Bowl. In 2014, after Brady lost to Manning in the AFC Championship game, New England beat Seattle in the Super Bowl with a great fourth quarter by Brady. And in 2016, one year after Brady and Manning met for the final time in the AFC Championship game, New England was down 28-3 late in the third quarter to the Falcons in the Super Bowl and came back to beat Atlanta with the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Is it a coincidence that when Brady lost to Manning, he was then in the Super Bowl the next season? I don't think so. Not at all. The losses motivated him, and he immediately took his game to another level. The postseason is what separates careers for quarterbacks. Peyton may be the best regular season quarterback of all time. His numbers were prolific, but he could not carry that over to the postseason in January when the games mattered most. He made the playoffs 15 times in his career, but was one and done nine times. That means he did not win a playoff game in 60% of the seasons he took his team to the playoffs. Brady has made the playoffs 17 times and been one and done just three times. That's 18%. Brady made the playoffs just two more times than Manning, but has played in 14 more playoff games. Brady's postseason runs were much deeper. He is 30 and 11 in the playoffs. The 30 victories are an NFL record. Montana is next, all the way back with 16. Manning was just 14 and 13 in the playoffs, barely over 500. In fact, he was under 500 until winning his last three playoff games in his final year in the NFL. The one playoff achievement that Manning has over Brady, he won Super Bowls with two different teams. Brady will be trying to add the Bucks to his list this season or next, or even the season after, if he keeps on going. But let's take a look at how Brady and Manning looked at Brady versus Manning. First, here's Peyton. It was a great rivalry between those teams. You know, they had these two really close games in the regular season in 03 and 04 that basically decided where the playoff game was going to be. I can remember, you know, like it was yesterday in 2003, we went up there and uh, first game and really just played out, out executed and whatnot, but yet they, they ended up beating us. And I remember it was opening game of the season, I remember thinking, mm-hmm. we're going to have to come back here in January. Whereas when we beat them in 06, you know, I said, they're going to have to come in our place. And, and usually 
the team that's played at home in the playoffs has been right. wrong in that game. And so outside of understanding the significance of the regular season, everybody thinks, well, you just kind of get through the regular season mm-hmm. for the playoffs. I mean, it's so, yeah, it was a great lottery. It's been, I know it's been good for football because people get excited about it. I mean, I think, you know, Sports Illustrated put Brady out on the cover the week before the regular season game. I mean, nobody really does that in the regular season. Right. It's always, you know, postseason. So, so you knew it was a big deal uh, to, to other people besides just the Colts and the Patriots. And I think because of my respect, you know, for Tom, you know, obviously that's how I approached it. Now, here's Tom. Look, it's so much of the attention gets focused on quarterbacks. And, it, and you know, I mean, it's that's the way that the game always has been, always will be. You know, we touch the ball a lot. We have a big influence on the game. You rely on everyone else around you. I mean, a quarterback can't be a good player if you don't have the guys that can block or run or catch. You don't have a defense that can stop people. So, I mean, it's been a rivalry with our teams because we've been a good team. They've been a good team. It's never Tom versus Peyton. It's... I mean, I don't look at it like that. I mean, I know our defense has got a big challenge every time they face them. And I think their defense probably has a big challenge when they're facing our offense. So you just know that you are you can't make mistakes and you're going to have to score points and it's probably going to come down to the end. I mean, it's, you know, whoever has the ball at the end is, you know, got a good chance to win it anyway. Manning, who came into the NFL as the first overall pick by Indianapolis in 1998 and started from the very first game of his rookie year, didn't win his first Super Bowl until his ninth season in 2006. By that time, Brady, who became a starter in the third game of his second year in 2001, already had three Super Bowl championship rings. By the end of the 2004 season, Manning had played the Patriots 12 times and lost 10 times. Included in that group of games was the 2003 AFC Championship game. New Orleans won 24-14 and intercepted Manning four times, three of them by Ty Law, a Hall of Fame cornerback. The Patriots went on to win their second Super Bowl. Manning was back in Foxborough the next year for the divisional round of the playoffs. It was another snowball game. The Patriots won 20-3. Brady was now 6-0 versus Manning. As great as Manning was against everybody else, he could not beat the Patriots. He had developed a style of going with a no-huddle offense and looked like he was conducting the New York Philharmonic with all his hand-waving and gyrations at the line of scrimmage as he called the plays. The New York Giants defensive players once had some laughs in their meeting room preparing to play Manning. They set all his arm-waving to music. I was told it was hilarious. Good thing Eli didn't know his teammates were making fun of his big brother. The Patriots, they were simply entertained by Manning running up and down the line of scrimmage, whispering to his linemen or signaling to his receivers. They knew most of it was dummy calls designed to confuse the defense. Here's Patriots linebacker, Teddy Bruschi. I mean, we didn't respect the Colts at first because they just had a problem beating us. You know, right. Early on in my career, we, we used to laugh at Peyton in the meeting rooms because we used to be able to confuse him so well. And you could see the look on his face and the little gyrations. Yeah. And he, he, he let it be known that we'd get to him. And then we'd watch it on film. And, oh, man, look what I did here. I'm supposed to be over there. But I lined up all the way over there and I hopped around. And then he's, he's up there gyrating like he has no control. And, and all of a sudden the, the, the play clock winds down or something like yeah. that. You know what I mean? 
Now, <laughs> it got to a point where none of that stuff worked anymore. <laughs> all right. And it's like, all of a sudden, I'm an indie one game, and I'm all doing the same disguises. There goes a pass over my head, and it's for a touchdown. And I'm like, I, that doesn't work anymore. You know? But then Manning beat Brady for the first time in 2005 in the regular season. He beat Brady again in the regular season in 2006, which eventually gave the Colts the tiebreaker over New England for home field advantage in the AFC Championship game. The showdown was set up after the Colts defeated the top-seeded Ravens 15-6 in a game that lacked one thing, touchdowns. The Patriots scored 11 points in the last four and a half minutes against the Chargers in a 24-21 comeback victory in San Diego. That set up the greatest game in the Brady-Manning series. It was an instant classic. It was, and still is, the most important game of Peyton Manning's career. He had not yet been to the Super Bowl, and now Brady and his three rings were directly in Manning's path to Super Bowl 41 in Miami. This was not Manning's best team. It was not Brady's best team either. But this was Manning's best chance to get to the Super Bowl, the conference title game on his home field. The pressure was all on Manning. Even though Brady considers the next ring the most important ring, he already had three in the vault. Manning was ringless. He had won only one SEC title at Tennessee, but never won the national championship. The Volunteers won the national championship the year after he left with T. Martin at quarterback. Martin was one of the six quarterbacks drafted ahead of Brady in 2000. Brady didn't win a national championship at Michigan either. The Wolverines won it with Brian Greasy in 1997, the year before Brady became the Wolverines' starting quarterback. This was a legacy game for Manning. He needed to prove he can win a big one. He needed to prove he can beat Brady in a big one. Here's a conversation I had with Colts coach Tony Dungy. So, Tony, by the time you played the Patriots for the championship game, the reputation now was, you know, Peyton. Belichick was in his head. We, we never beat these guys. He's going to choke in the big game. I want to be clear here. Dungy was not agreeing with the perspective that Belichick was in Manning's head and that Peyton would choke in big games. But he knew that was the prevailing opinion and that there was only one way to change the narrative. Manning desperately needed to win this game. The Bears had already won the NFC title game by the time the Indianapolis-New England game kicked off. The winner of the ASC game would surely have no trouble with Chicago and Rex Grossman in the Super Bowl. It was going to be a quarterback mismatch regardless who won the Patriots-Colts game. Teddy Bruschi and his Patriots defensive teammates were no longer laughing at Peyton Manning. He defeated them two in a row and scored a total of 67 points. It was the most anticipated game in years. Brady, the self-made superstar. Manning, born into football royalty. Style and substance versus style and substance. Once again, here's Bruschi. They're, they're two different roads, you know what I mm -hmm. mean? It's a, it's a kid that had a chip on his shoulder that's the 199th pick and nobody expect anything out of to a guy to a guy that was betrothed basically you know to to given the keys to the kingdom 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of credit to Peyton that he's taking those keys and he's still driving. You know, yeah. I mean, he's. Mm-hmm. I mean, those keys are uh, well deserved, but Brady made his keys. You know, he wasn't given them. Mm-hmm. And there's a, that's a different approach, a different mentality. I covered that game, and the atmosphere in the old RCA Dome was electric. The Patriots quickly jumped out to a 21-3 lead. The Patriots' first touchdown came after Brady fumbled on a third and one from the Colts' four with New England guard Logan Mankins falling on the ball in the end zone. They then scored 53 seconds apart in the second quarter. The touchdown to make it 21-3 came on Asante Samuel's 39-yard interception return of Manning's pass intended for Marvin Harrison. No team had ever come from 18 points down to win a conference championship game. It was hard to imagine it happening against Brady and Belichick. Indianapolis kicked a field goal and went to halftime trailing 21-6. Two touchdowns and a two-point conversion brought the Colts even at 21 with four minutes remaining in the third quarter. Manning wiped out a 15-point deficit in just 11 minutes by sneaking for a one-yard touchdown and throwing a one-yard touchdown and then completing a two-point conversion to Marvin Harrison. This set up a fantastic finish. I'm going to fast forward to the Patriots up 34-31 with Manning having the ball at his own 20 with 217 left in the game. Remember, I said, this was a legacy game for Peyton Manning and his legacy was firmly on the line. The Colts were down to their last timeout. They would also have the two-minute warning. The first four plays used only 21 seconds, and the Colts were at the Patriots' 11. Manning had completed passes of 11, 32, and 14 yards along the way. Indy was helped by a roughing the passer penalty as well. The Colts made it into the end zone on a five-yard run by Joseph Adai. The Colts were up 38-34, their first lead of the game. But Manning left Brady one full minute. Was that too much time? New England had two timeouts left. Manning was over on the sidelines with his head in his hands, requesting a favor from above. All he wanted was the Super Bowl. All it was going to take was one defensive stop by the Indianapolis defense against the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Manning said, I don't know if he was supposed to pray for stuff like that, but what the heck? He did anyhow. Brady started at his own 21. The Patriots moved to the Colts 45, but there were just 24 seconds left. Remember, they were down four points and a field goal would do them no good, obviously. Brady still had a long way to go and his next pass for tight end Benjamin Watson over the middle was intercepted by Marlon Jackson, who like Brady was a Michigan man. There was no replay review, no tuck rule, anything as obscure and bizarre to save Brady this time. It was a clean interception. Game over. The Colts were going to the Super Bowl. Was Manning feeling vindicated? Did he feel the monkey was finally off his back? He said, quote, that's been the number one question I've been asked. But I don't get into monkeys and vindication. I don't play that card. End of quote. Here's what he told me. You know, it was kind of a uh, symbolic game in so, so many ways that we had, you know, been down, been down, finally kind of gotten, you know, gotten over the hump. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was, that was obviously uh, a special win. 
One of the first Patriots to approach Manning on the field after the game was Teddy Bruschi. He had gone from laughing at Manning in the film room to having deep respect for him for winning the game. Here's Bruschi. At the end of that game, I was, it was important for, for me to go up to Peyton and say, you deserved it, you know, you earned it. And, and I was really, strange to say, but I was proud of the kid. Really? You know, I was proud of him because we just beat on him so, for so long. You know, ever since that 0-1 hit by Brian Cox, all right, all the way to, you know, 03, 04, I don't know, I can't remember 05, but then 06 comes around finally in the playoffs and they got us. I mean, I'm not dead inside, you know what I mean? The kid, I, I know the pressure this guy's been going through yeah, too, yeah. you know what I mean? Uh, I mean, everyone calling him a, you know, a bust. I mean, an individual statistical quarterback that, for me, I mean, I mean, finally he got it done. So I was, I was proud of doing that. More of the GOAT, Tom Brady, coming up. Manning went on to be Super Bowl MVP in a 29-17 victory over the Bears in a downpour in Miami. In the course of two weeks, he removed two monkeys from his back, Brady and the Super Bowl. They would not meet again in the playoffs until Manning was in Denver. He signed with the Broncos in 2012 and beat Brady at Mile High Stadium in the AFC Championship game in 2013 and 2015. The 2015 game was the final Brady versus Manning showdown. Manning met individually on the field with Brady and Bill Belichick and told them each it was a pleasure competing against them. Manning, whose body was beat up by that time, was carried to his second Super Bowl title two weeks later by Von Miller and the strong Broncos defense. The public image of Brady and Manning are so different. Manning is loved by fans. He's very funny. He's on every commercial. Brady was considered part of Belichick's evil empire in New England. Although their personalities are completely different, it was guilt by association. Fans outside of New England disliked Brady. He won too much. He married a supermodel. How can you like a guy like that? One thing about their rivalry is clear. There was no doubt that Manning was better than Brady when they each hosted Saturday Night Live. Even Brady admits to that. <laughs> um, he was pretty awesome. He I mean, I gotta say, it. he was awesome. He's he's got a great sense of humor about him. Um, he's very witty, funny guy. Um, I think for me, that experience, and I'm probably similar for him. It was so out of the box for both of us. Yeah. That it was an experience that I know when I lived it, I finished it. And it was it was so fun to do. I was almost disappointed that I'll never have a chance to experience that again. Uh-huh. So it was such a unique thing that I was bummed that it was over. Because I was like, even if I ever happen to do this again, It'll never be like the right, first time right. because I had no expectations going in. Uh-huh. And you could just go, holy shit, like all this happened. It was, <laughs> it was awesome. It was a great experience. On the field, Brady is still great. He threw five touchdowns at the age of 43 in his fourth game of the season with the Bucks in 2020. Manning was great. 
I went to Pro Football Hall of Fame defensive end Michael Strahan for the final word. As a defensive player, two minutes to go, and you're in a, in a situation where the game is on the line, do you fear one of the two more than the other? I fear Tom Brady more than anybody. I mean, Tom Brady, I don't know, there's just something about Tom. And I'm not, just, not taking anything away from Peyton um, at all. I don't want to take him either. But, <laughs> but there's just something about Tom, yeah, maybe because we've just seen him do it time and time again. Next on the go, Tom Brady. The historic 2007 season, Spygate, 16-0, and the crushing loss to the Giants in Super Bowl 42. And the best quote of all time when Patriots owner Robert Kraft told me he called Bill Belichick to his face, he called him a schmuck for spying on other teams. How wild is that? I will play you the audio in the next episode. I'm Gary Myers. And thanks so much for listening. The Goat, Tom Brady, is a production of Diversion Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by me, Gary Myers. Executive producers Scott Waxman and Mark Francis for Diversion Podcasts and Sean Titone for iHeartRadio. Story editing by Scott Waxman with editorial direction from John Tuttle. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. Archival research by Brianne Murphy. Verna Fields is our technical producer, and our director of marketing and business development is Jacob Bronstein. Special thanks to Oren Rosenbaum at UTA. Find Diversion on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Diversion Pods. And let us know, what do you think of the show? Send us your questions, your comments, and even your critiques. That's Diversion Pods on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.